Functional Lifestyles was rated number one out of 5,000 plus gyms for 2021 for having the most amount of personal records. Um, that's a pretty fucking badass stat if you ask me, right? That basically means that our clients over the course of 2021 compared to all other 5,000 plus gyms that they're inside of their network saw the most progress. They got stronger. They improved aerobic capacity. They got faster. Obviously, all those things that we measure. So I thought this would be kind of a great gateway into the reasons why we track data, the importance of data tracking, some of the pros, some of the cons, you know, some of the things that are inside of just kind of being or becoming, sorry, more aware of the data that's in front of you, right? Um, and like I said, for you guys, if you've been following me long enough, you know how big I am on data. Because when you look at measurements, and you have to think about this with all things in life, it doesn't matter if you're tracking your fitness, your health, your nutrition, your sleep, your finances, your business, your ads, like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, hopefully you are tracking data, but you have to look at um, both sides of the table, and really what those two sides are is, number one, there is subjective assessing, which is basically going off feel. So if I wake up and I'm not tracking anything, obviously, and I go, I feel like I slept pretty good, or I feel like I slept five hours and slept like shit, right? Like that is a subjective assessment, right? Then there's objective assessing, which is basically having data and metrics and numbers in front of you to say, hey, I actually slept X amount of hours, or hey, I made X amount of dollars, or hey, I got X amount stronger. Um, It gives you something objectively to look forward to. And when it comes to goal setting, and I've said this in previous podcasts, like, you know, obviously, number one is setting the goal and setting the attention for where that, you know, micro or macro goal might be for you, but kind of setting a a finish line in a sense is number one. But then from there, it's setting actionable steps, right? Like, do I have these little things, little steps, little actionable items that I can be working towards? Um, and am I measuring in the progress to kind of figure out where I'm at in a certain phase or step or cycle or what like, you know, once again, whatever the hell you're measuring. So, you know, something I've always said with clients is clients are like children in the aspect that children sometimes lie to their parents because they don't want to disappoint their parents. They want to impress their parents. Um, you know, I used to do that with progress supports like, hey, how's your grades? Grades are great. They're good. Right. Or. Hey, how's your diet been this week? Diet's been great, right? Is it really great? Well, we'll make that decision in a second when I measure something, right? So for me, it's like when you look at objective data and you look at subjective feeling, I generally like to kind of find the middle ground for certain things depending on the assessment again. Like, you know, to use the sleep one, for example, if I'm tracking my sleep and my recovery is really, really good based off the actual whoop or aura, whatever tool of measurement you're using, um, but I wake up and I feel really shitty. I'm actually going to kind of line myself somewhere in the middle with some of the adjustments I might make to my exercise or, you know, my workout routine or just my day in general. Right. So that's something we'll dive into a little bit more today. But really, the focus is going to be around objective assessing and kind of, you know, what things can you be assessing? What's the importance of assessing those things, et cetera. Right. So number one, let's kind of jump right into it. <clears throat> the importance of having it. Number one is it's going to create awareness, right? And having awareness to kind of figure out where are you with your finances or nutrition or sleep or exercise or et cetera, you know, something with functional lifestyles. And first of all, that that award for me was probably one of the coolest awards out of the four things that they had categories for giving awards. Like there was a most weight lifted, I think, was one. There was most clients acquired. And I think I forget what the fourth one was. But for me, PRs are really, really cool because that basically just shows that we are seeing progress, right? And at the end of the day, from a motivation side of things, 
Um, I've said this a million times, like, you know, motivation is a derivative of progress, right? And for your body to make progress, it actually in return is going to give you some level of motivation, right? Motivation tends to be the big thing that a lot of people struggle with out of the four main reasons people go get help in the beginning, which is motivation, accountability, structure, and knowledge. So for me, having the most personal records was a really, really cool thing to see because that just goes to show you that our clients are really seeing that progress. But more importantly, too, like not to shit on any other gyms, but there could be a lot of gyms that just are not tracking that data as well, which you know could rule out a good chunk of those people already because I know from previous CrossFit gyms that I worked out, we didn't track a lot of stuff. We use Wattify sometimes for reservations or checking in or billing or even putting the program in there, but we never really assessed that data. Um, and for me, you know, something I tell my coaches all the time is if you're not assessing and reassessing, you are literally guessing, right? So assessing, you know, and tracking data gives us real time kind of metrics in front of us to go like, okay, cool. This is working or the exact opposite. Oh shit. This is not working. What can I do to change it to make sure it actually is working? Right? So that is kind of one of the things that we'll talk about a little bit more, you know, in a couple minutes here about the pros and cons. And I kind of put that on the con side in the beginning of transitioning from tracking something. It almost becomes a stressful thing, right? We'll touch on that more later. So number one, and I'm going to try to once again, as always, keep this very related to health and fitness. Um, let's talk about the things that maybe we, we should be assessing and kind of measuring and having data on. So I'll give you what we do here, and then I'll kind of throw some extra goodies on top of that, right? So number one. When people think about assessing themselves inside of the gym or their fitness routine or whatever kind of, you know, routine they got for themselves related to fitness and health, most people only tie in body weight being the form of measurement, right? Um, and this is something I stated in the email today that if you only measure body weight and your weight did not change, but maybe you lost five pounds of muscle or five pounds of fat, put five pounds of muscle on, your energy improved, your sleep has gotten better, your stress management has gotten better, your sex drive has increased, your mobility is improving. You know, these are all things in return that I look at going, holy crap, that is a lot of progress that you made. But if you're only looking at the scale as your form of measurement and your form of progress, you're probably going to be knocked off your high horse a little bit and be pretty kind of disappointed in that, right? So for me, just when you think about health and you think about it very holistically, the same way that we approach holistic health is the same way we need to be attracting holistic health, right? So coming back on the six dimensions, we think about movement and exercise, right? So if I were to start there, what do I measure inside exercise, right? So we use the software Wattify and we track everything from strength and aerobic capacity or whatever, um, kind of Metcon, whatever people want to call it there. But we basically use the, the data points for those two things is what weights are you using? So for example, if we have a four by five box squats like we do today for today's workout, and last week you did 200 pounds for all four sets, or you did 200 pounds for two sets, let's say, and you did 200 pounds for all four this week, that would be two sets of you being at a PR because that is more volume at that same weight that you did. Or if you now did 205 or 210 at two sets instead of 200 like the previous week, that also would be a PR because you're doing more weights, which in return, you're doing more volume. So number one is always it's nice to kind of track the weights. Second thing that we can track inside of our workouts, and this is going to be more related to aerobic capacity and speed and kind of the conditioning aspect of things that we do, is tracking, you know, for example, if I'm going on a run, I'm tracking my pace, I'm tracking my distance, I'm tracking my breath rate, my cadence of steps. Um, if I'm doing something inside of the gym that's like 
um, you know, 30 kettlebell swings and 30 box jumps and 20, 20 and 10, 10. And we're doing that for time. And it takes me 10 minutes to finish. And then next week it takes me nine and a half minutes to finish. Cool. You took 30 seconds off. You improved your speed and in return, some level, your aerobic capacity. Obviously, if you're riding a bike or you're doing Peloton or you're swimming, like there's so many things that we could be measuring. So when it comes to exercise and kind of dimension number one, you have to remember this. In order for your body to actually progressively overload correctly, you have to know what you're measuring against. Going into the gym and going by feel will work for a certain extent in the beginning, but really to see that true progress that you want to see based off the intentionality and the goal that you have set for yourself. Um, yeah, you want to be tracking the weights that you use and the times that you get on these workouts and the pacing and the heart rate and you know the more variables you can throw in it, the better, um, <clears throat> depending on how detailed you actually want to be with it. Because then every single week you come back to those workouts, you can measure against what you just previously did and try to add a little bit of that, right? Um, and this is something I was just talking about either last week or the week previously, that measuring that and kind of knowing how to progressively overload is really, really important to see that progress to improve your strength and to improve your speed or your pacing or aerobic capacity because you had the measurement in front of you. And this is something that we do like at Functional Lifestyles for our programming is we write six different workouts and we repeat them all six times over the course of six weeks. Meaning what you do on Monday is the exact same workout every Monday for that six-week cycle. Now, it doesn't mean that you're lifting the exact same weights at the same intensity or volume. Like you hopefully are adding weights or finishing at a faster time and et cetera, um, you know, whatever the workout might be. But that's going to be a big thing. Second thing, too, and I got this question actually last week in a class, and it's actually it was a great question is what if I don't really have a strength goal or an aerobic goal or like something where I need to be squatting a certain amount of weight or need to be finishing at a certain pace? Um, then yeah, sometimes we just look at kind of movement competency. Like, are you doing the movement better? Are you doing it without pain? Do you understand you have better motor control and coordination? Like those are signs of progress as well. So tracking that, that's kind of a little bit tougher objectively, but that could be something that we do in the assessment, right? So that's actually something we're going to be talking about today in our team meeting is we do a kind of like a get a rigged functional movement screen with everybody that we sign up in the beginning. We take them through 12 different screens. Seven of them are going to be scored from zero to three. Zero being pain, one being dysfunction, two being functional, meaning good enough but not perfect, and three being perfect. So if I have someone with twos and threes, yeah, I'm probably not going to come back to a reassessment. But if I have someone with zeros and ones and then the other five being pass or fail and having some fails, then, yeah, that's going to be something I want to come back to as a reassessment. So that as well can be another sign of progress, right? Because if you come in the gym and you're, you have a movement screen that was a 12 out of 21 and I now have it at a 16 out of 21, cool. We just improved it by four points, right? That is progress. That is improving your mobility and your movement, right? So when you look at dimension one, there's so much stuff already that you can just begin to track inside of just that dimension alone, right? So movement and mobility, um, how you feel subjectively, but also objectively, how is your movement assessment and your screen actually improving? Then when you look at exercise, like are you getting stronger? Are you measuring the weights that you're using? Are you getting better times in some of these conditioning aerobic workouts? Is your pacing better? Is your breathing rate gone down? Is you Have you done more with a lower heart rate? Like... You know, how's the efficiency even, you know, like there's so many things that we can get into. And for most people in the beginning stages of this, I don't think you need to get really lost in the sauce of having as much detail as possible. Um, as you progress over time, I think it's more important to kind of have more metrics because those little details 
um, are harder to really notice subjectively. And it's nicer to have a little bit more of an holistic, well-rounded approach to kind of how you assess. Because I'll give you a prime example. There's a lot of people that will come into the gym and squat the barbell on day one or week one or month one even. And then suddenly they're squatting 100 pounds in a couple weeks, right? To add 100% of weight over a course of a week or a month, it's very, very, very unlikely with someone that's been doing it for years, right? So seeing a professional athlete go up or improve by 1% or 2%, that's a big difference for someone at that level. So we have to remember that, yes, depending on where you're at in your stage of training, um, what we expect on a percentage of change is going to be drastically different with someone that's kind of brand new and an amateur and you know kind of getting into something newer versus someone that's had a lot of consistency or a lot of, had a lot of time on that program or cycle or if they're a professional athlete or whatever, right? So that's kind of number one. Number two, then the second thing we can look at is going to be nutrition, right? How do we track nutrition? Well, we can track it through an app like MyFitnessPal. We could be weighing food. We could be tracking the time for fasting windows. I personally just started using a continuous glucose monitor to track blood sugar to see like what is coffee, what is sleep, what is stress, what is meals, what does all these things do to my blood sugar and how is that affecting day to day, right? So those are things as well that we can be tracking. You know, one thing that I try to preach with nutrition is uh, tracking is a great way to, you know, create awareness and accountability like we were just stating, but it's hopefully not something that people want to be doing forever. Um, and that's something I'll talk about in a bit here, why kind of ideally the goal is to kind of get you off some level of always being dependent on objective tracking, uh, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. So that's something we can track. Now, when it comes to sleep, sleep is something that we can look at and we can basically say, okay, we can use uh, a tool like Aura Ring or Whoop or Fitbit. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think Apple watch, whatever, right? Like whatever tool you might be using. I think aura ring and whoop are probably my favorites as you guys have heard me stay before. So I can track, okay. Well, the amount of hours I'm sleeping, right? The time that I'm going to bed. So how consistent is my, you know, bedtime versus wake time? What are the stages of sleep? How much time is awake? How much time is light? How much time is REM? How much time is sleep? How, what's my efficiency out of the hours that I'm in bed? How much of that time am I actually asleep? Which is basically total hours in bed minus awake hours. That's your efficiency. Then I can look at latency, which is basically how long does it take me to go to bed, right? And this is why I love tracking sleep because that stuff is constantly varied, right? It's always different depending on my levels of stress day to day, my eating schedule, if I'm eating too close to bed or if I'm drinking Last night I had three glasses of wine instead of my normal two. Like, you know, those are things that it's nice to kind of have that tracking and that data in front of me because I can objectively make those decisions based off the data that I have in front of me, right? So that's something that we can be measuring with our sleep, right? Then we look at stress, right? How do we measure stress objectively? Not an easy thing. I think one of the only analytics, you know, like metric data points that we have on it is probably heart rate variability or even breath rate to a certain extent. If your HRV starts to kind of tank, that means that maybe your body is sympathetically becoming more overloaded. It's more stimulated than it should be. So if you start to see over time, days and weeks at a time that your HRV is slowly dropping or your kind of overall average over that month or week is dropping, then yeah, that's that's a sign that your body probably your body's a little bit more stressed out or it's a little overworked or it's malnourished or it's underslept or whatever obviously kind of stress department we're looking at there. Um, and then when you look at the bottom two, obviously with uh, the six dimensions, when you look at community and you look at environment, you look at your mindset. Now, trying to measure something like that objectively, not going to be the easiest thing. I think that's where you really get to some subjective stuff. But I really, I think objectively, the way that you kind of measure that 
is you're taking your subjective stuff and you're tracking it, right? So if I am working on stress management because my mindset's in the wrong place or the community's bad around me or whatever, right? And I'm journaling, right? I can look at my journal and reassess my journal entries from a week ago or a month ago or a year ago and see like, hey, where was I at in my headspace? And now based off what I'm tracking and writing down, do it, does it look like I'm moving to the right side of the continuum? Does it look like I'm actually improving on how I approach my thing and where my thoughts are and where my mind's at? Um, so you can, but it's a lot harder to, right? So now let's kind of transition the pros and cons of why I'm such a big fan of data tracking and where you should hopefully be taking this over time, right? The pros, number one, like we just opened up with in the beginning of today's conversation, is it creates awareness, right? So it, it, it kind of puts a number in front of you. So it gives you something to like objectively to go, okay, this is where I'm at currently or this is where I'm starting. And based off whatever my goal is for myself, this is the gap between these two points, right? So if I want to be able to sleep more, I want to be able to improve my deep and REM stages of sleep, okay? As soon as I start tracking, you have a baseline. And then whatever the goal is, the gap between it is the work and the process you need to be focused on, right? Or if I'm trying to eat 200 grams of protein a day and I start tracking and I'm only eating 90, cool. You have 110 grams a day that you need to be able to kind of fill to get to your goal. So I have awareness around where I currently am at, right? And I think from a, from a progress standpoint, once again, you need to have that awareness built first because people trying to go in and just guess and go by feel, you have to be at a pretty high level and pretty in tune with your body to really, really understand those things, right? So that would be number one is just kind of creating awareness. Number two for me is it creates accountability because it gives you something once again, objectively to go, cool, this is working or cool. I need to progress or need to focus more in this area because I'm not seeing the result that I want. You could look at the result based off certain things, right? Like to come back to that diet thing. It's like if someone tells me their diet's been really good, but I don't look at the diet. I just look at the scale, but the scale shows the improvement. Cool. I can basically take your subjective answer and line it up to something objectively that's not aligned with nutrition, but the end result, right? Another example, like a real life example is like, hey, I'm trying to make more money and I become your financial manager. At the end of the month, if you have more money in the bank than you started with at the beginning of the month, cool. Obviously, something we're doing is working. Um, at the other side of the table, for kind of look at kind of the backwards way of it, if I'm trying to lose weight and I focus with a client on diet or focus with them on training and I jump on the scale and they gain weight, I have to go, okay, well, objectively, what we're doing is not working, right? Even though you told me your training is going well and your diet's going well, we're missing something based off the data. So I think the two A's are probably the biggest things when I look at the pros of why tracking is so important is because number one, it's going to create awareness. So you kind of have an idea foundationally where you are, what's your baseline, create some type of awareness around it. Number two is it creates accountability because you actually have a form of measurement, right? You have something that you can go, hey, you might have told me you were doing good in school, but you have a bunch of C's, D's, and F's on your report card, okay? So objectively, obviously, this is not working. So it doesn't matter what we're measuring. The objective data is really kind of gives us that that concrete answer on what we're doing. Um, and I think those two things alone should be enough pros for people, right? When you look at the cons, here's one thing that I will tell you, um, just from personal experience with myself and clients. Anytime I've taken something new on or tried something new and or I started tracking for the first time in that area, I honestly become more stressed in that beginning phase, right? And in the beginning, I didn't know that because I wasn't really prepared. I was like, okay, I thought like tracking sleep was going to be making my sleep better. 
I realized it almost made my sleep worse at the beginning because I I was like, holy shit, my sleep is not where I thought it was. Or, hey, my body weight's not where I thought it was. Or, hey, like, my training's not where I thought it was. Because I'm using the data, which is creating the awareness and accountability, which is a pro. But also, that could create some type of, like, anxiety around that because that change is hard, right? And kind of seeing, you know, where you're at sometimes is a rude awakening for some people. You know, I think a lot of people think they're in a great place or think they're in an okay place. You know, I've had plenty of clients that go in for their initial assessment with us and they're like, yeah, like, you know, I think I'm doing pretty well in my diet, my training. And then I put them on the body fat scale and the, you know, the scale, I'm sorry, with the in body and their body fat percentage is 40 plus. I'm like, okay, well, there's no way in hell your training and your nutrition's really as good as you say it is if your body fat percentage is at 40 plus, right? Or there's no way that you're saying that you're you're doing a great job of stress management and all these other things if X, Y, and Z is showing otherwise, right? Like, so it does create some anxiety in the beginning because it goes like it's kind of like an oh shit moment for a lot of people. So that's one thing that I always kind of tell people is like just kind of buckle your seatbelt a little bit in the beginning and understand that the transition phase of this will be a little difficult. It will be a little bit of a rude awakening. It will be a little bit of like, whoa, <laughs> I did not realize I was there. Uh, I thought I felt like I was in a better place than what this is showing me or whatever number in front of me is showing me, right? So I didn't want to make it too long. I want to kind of make today a little bit shorter. Really, I wanted to say congratulations to the clients and everyone that's part of Functional Lifestyles because that award being rated number one out of 5,000 plus gyms is a really, really, really cool stat for me. Um, great job to the coaches as well because obviously the coaches pushing the clients and something that, you know, this data tracking, what we're talking about today, having the data and telling where people are and trying to get them to become a little bit better. Um, it just shows that obviously it's working, right? So the programming, the coaching and the clients and the community that we have, like super, super, super grateful to be a part of this. And more importantly, like just to see it from the outside, because I, to be transparent, don't do that much coaching. Um, for the group classes. So for me, it's like, I don't want to sit here and take a bunch of credit for it because that's something that you guys as clients, that the coaches um, really are the, the, the bread and butter of everything that we saw. So really, really cool to see. Super proud of everyone that's really a part of that. Um, honored to be able to get an award like that. I think it is honestly one of the coolest awards that we could have received. Um, it just goes to show you all the progress that's being made. And just to kind of wrap it up with data tracking, just remember, you cannot hack what you do not track. So if you want to become richer, you want to become leaner, you want to become stronger, you want to become more grounded, you want to become whatever it is, track the data around that subject, right? And over time, the last thing I kind of want to leave with you guys, over time, the end all goal would be to kind of get yourself into a really in tune place, right? Where you're subjectively just kind of on the money based off the objective, right? So now it's not going to be something that needs to be a requirement, but like to kind of use the nutrition example, it's like I don't want to be tracking calories and weighing food my whole life, right? So I've done it long enough through previous competitions and previous kind of diets or when I took things more serious and then got to a point where I became more intuitive. Um, training, I went through waves of going like strength by field and getting back on a structured program. So just like coaching is the same way I look at data tracking. You don't need to do it forever. Do it to create awareness. Do it to create accountability. Do it to create change. Once you start to see the change and you see the habits kind of develop over time, then maybe back away. And if you feel like you're starting to slip, get right back into the data tracking. Get right back into the coaching. Get back into the structure. Get what it is. Use it cyclically. Use it when you need it. But do not create a dependence 
around the need for data tracking around the need for objective things, right? Like you don't need to track all your profits and expenses at the end of the month. If you look at your bank account and it's higher than it was before, you're doing something right, right? You don't need to track everything because if you get on the scale and you're losing weight or you're building muscle, or if you get in the gym and you feel stronger and you're moving better, then like, yeah, subjectively, you're going the right direction. You don't need to have all that objective stuff all the time. Now, just like the obviously to wrap up this podcast, I am a huge believer of it. Track as many things as you can in the beginning phases of it. Get used to the adjustment that's going to follow suit. But more importantly, use the data. Use the goal that you have in place. Find the gap between these two points. Build a plan. Set actionable steps towards it. And use the data to kind of phase you through your training. Um, and that's a big thing, right? All right, guys. Well, we got our, I think, the last one. Oh, no, I got two more. So two more before we wrap up the year 2021. I know we're entering into Christmas week and New Year's week, so I will still try to get this done. I might maybe do it on a different day. Uh, But just to wrap it up, thank you for everything. I'm super grateful for the award. I'm super grateful to be a part of this community and see this kind of stuff from the outside. just really makes me happy to see the progress that you guys are all making. Um, And once again, thanks for listening. Catch you guys later.